Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 2, Episode 12, Trial, Discovery, and Vision, with George Thorne. George is a consultant who helps arts and culture organizations understand how to expand and thrive. His administrative curriculum and mentorship, generosity, and kindness have helped hundreds of creative communities of all sizes flourish and prosper, especially here in my hometown of Portland, Oregon. He's actually donated so much time to so many organizations that the city of Portland officially named February 5th George Thorne Day. I had the honor of attending a George Thorne Day party last year. They were serving up cake with his face printed into the frosting. My friend and I were merrily munching our way through these crystallized sprinkles on George's left ear, and we turned around and there he was. He was standing right there. That's how I originally met George. And since then, he's helped me a lot to understand how to approach funding this podcast, how to build capacity for my organization, and how to weather COVID-19. He's one of the first people I thought of when I was wondering who to speak to to get some perspective on the short-term future. You know, I usually ask people about the long-term future, and I really hesitate to spend too much of our airtime here discussing COVID-19 when the media is already flooding us with pandemic content. But George had some excellent points about developing a strategic plan for the future when you hardly know what the future of next week looks like. And he gives a great case study. I appreciated his outlook on creative production, endurance, perseverance, and how artists and artists' particular way of thinking can help us survive this difficult time. I'm, I'm George Thorne. I'm a consultant. I work with uh, primarily with not-for-profit arts and cultural organizations. Uh, the base of my work is through the RAC Cultural Leadership Program, where they select groups for me to work with over different lengths of time. And then I also do independent work. Everyone's going to be hurt in some way. And there are a lot of people and a lot of sectors going to hurt really, really badly. Please stay with us. We're in this together. Everyone is a storyteller. They'll have to be very adaptive and keep learning. I'm also amazed every day with what artists make with so little. This is a, we're living this very surreal and existential world. It's a world that we have no experience. No one has any experience in the world. There's no knowledge of how to move forward. There's never been anything like it before. We also know that everyone's going to be hurt in some way except for very rich people. And there are a lot of people and a lot of sectors going to hurt really, really badly. That's just, that's, that's the world that we are inhabiting. So my beginning point, we're in this together. So whether, doesn't matter the sector, everybody's being hurt, whatever, we're in this together. And we all worry about people on the, on the low end of the economy. I then, then what we then talk about is what an organization, the leadership has to do, just do what they do every day. And that's all over the map. Some people are in relatively good shape. Some of them really have cash flow problems, whatever it is. And, and we don't know how to go forward. So it's really listening and talking about every, what everyone has to do day to day to do what they need to do organizationally. Then we begin to shift the focus to um, 
we, well, the other thing, well, we're going to come through this. We're going to come, we don't know how or when, but we're going to come through it. We also know that we're not going to go back to the way it was. It's going to be a very different reality. So asking the leadership of each organization to begin to envision what they think this new reality would, will be for them. How they begin to think about, envision this new reality, what needs to be in it, who needs to be in it, what, what are the needs within that, what do we need to learn, and knowing as they develop this, this vision of the next reality, they'll have to be very adaptive and keep learning. So out of that then would come in a sense a very simple, so how are we going to evolve? So a very simple sort of plan of evolution and a financial framework and a programmatic framework. So that then that plan, which will be, will keep changing, they're able to say to everyone that's close to them, this is everything, this is what we know now. This is, these are things we're envisioning. We have a timeline. We, we want to begin, we have intended to do this projects here and there. At a certain point, we have to make a decision whether or not we can do that project. And then, and then helping just keep that information going. So you're really saying, knowing what we know now, so and so that what we're doing, please stay with us. We're in this together. And we can't wait to get back into a room with you with artists making art. And that the story that we would like, that's very particularly to each organization as they think about it. And, and some of the work lately, there, as I began to do this, I think some groups made decisions before they needed to, as opposed to saying, well, there's a point of no return. If we want to do a show in October, what's the point of no return when we have to do that, when we have to make that decision? And I think everything that people are doing in terms of streaming and video, I think that's all testing. What is, is, this, a, an, is this a good experience for the audience, a good experience for the audience? And testing some of these things. That's different from someone teaching yoga. I think it's pretty straight ahead. But looking at all these explorations about one person shows and all that. But we also know that people at some point are want to get into a room again with artists making their work or get into a gallery or get, in, or get into disjecta or, or whatever it is and get to the galleries. We know that we just don't know when yet we know that the hunger will be there because we know that arts and culture will never have been needed more than it is today. Art and culture will never be needed more than it will be as we work our way out of this. So we, that's where, but each, each group has to make those decisions for themselves. But that's a very different way of communicating. We're in this together, come with us then. You and I have seen a few we need $65,000 for by Tuesday. That means we're not in this together. My $65,000 need hurts me, hurts more than it hurts whatever hurts everybody else. That's a reality, but how one communicates that and, and thinks about the reality. Also in terms of thinking about this evolutionary plan, which will be adapted, working with, I had some contact with some people and they said, we don't, we don't know anything, so we can't plan. Well, now's the time to plan. Because if we wait till we know what it is, and we, who knows how long, and there may be surges, 
then we'll be so far behind. A good example of someone who's done some really, so for the next evolution, I don't know if you're familiar with Shaking the Tree Theater. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. love her work. With Samantha. Mm -hmm. Well, when we first started, you know, this all came down, I, I said, Samantha, so what, so what are you doing? I spend half the day in the office, the other half the day I'm in the theater. I'm painting eight six by eight panels. I'm working with a sound engineer and a lighting engineer, and I'm going to create an immersive experience called Refuge. But she could do this today if the governor didn't say we're not supposed to do that. Right. But she but her now when she she was in the second week of a rehearsal to do a new production in March and April. She was into the second week of rehearsal, so they had to close down. So that production may have a life in October, November, and her bookings of people renting the space, they all had to cancel. So this was the artist's way of thinking, first of all, I want to be back in the studio. In the office half days enough. I want to be in the studio and making work. That's just an example of people, how people can really think about what's appropriate for them and how can they evolve. Primarily, I think along the way, it was more economic problems that nothing ever of not just the scale, but it was all economic. We were in a recession or we were in a downturn, hard to raise money. And that was either for commercial theater or not for profit. But, and, but we knew it had always been cyclical. And so we knew that we will come through that. And there will be people who'd be investing and giving money and people will be buying tickets. The one that would, which I mentioned earlier, would, was something like 9-11, which was so, had such an impact on everybody. And then how long it took before people were willing to fly again. But it did so much to bring the country together. The first 10 years I was here, 12 years, I was traveling three weeks a month back to the East Coast and just going back to do work in New York. And, but it seemed, that seemed to bring people together. A uh, hotel I stayed in was just on 46th and 8th. And there was a firehouse up the block, four or four blocks. And eight people from that firehouse were killed. So people would just come and stand in the firehouse. And the trucks were sitting there. The, the people who were still there would come and talk. So. It was, it was such a depth of emotional and from so many different directions. I don't think there'll be a new normal. I don't, I, that's my view of it. I don't think there'll be a new normal. I think that, that, that there's gonna be all different kinds of normal. Individual artists or writers or poets or visual artists or theater, dance, music, whatever. Uh, I think each one of those sectors, but also each expression of that, each organization, whatever, are going to be more individualized. But I think also how 
maybe art's going to be defined in different ways by different people. What is the connection with audiences, with readers, with with gallery going, with Digecta when you go to Digecta? So I think that there's going to be there's going to be a, I think a greater personalization for each organization. There's not going to be so much well there's theater and there's dance and there's music, there's writing, literature, visual arts. That will exist, but I think there may be more connection between artists. But also, I think I am anticipating that each artist or each entity, each organization will find its own place and, and not be, I don't, I can't think of the right word, not to be, stere not to be, stere not to be stereotyped like, well, you're a theater. artists give us perspective. They give us a way of thinking. It's their, their responses to what they're seeing and hearing and thinking about. We saw that so much after 9-11. After 9-11, people going and they, the, the wide range of things. Some people wanted Beethoven. Some people wanted to laugh or they go to a comedy club. Some people wanted, needed to write, whatever it was. So that need for, first of all, coming together, but also experiencing art in a very personal way. And that's all forms, theater, dance, music, literary, visual. That's always been the case. It's like even today when people are watching, you know, they're watching videos, they're looking at videos and all that and streaming things. It's a different experience looking at that experience, both as a good artistic experience as well as a good experience for whoever the viewer is. We may get some new audiences through that because some people may have not necessarily gone, think of going into a performance venue, but they for somehow got into this. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I ought to try it and it's full. We don't know where that's going to go. We, and we don't know, as I said earlier, when people are gonna wanna get into the space elbow to elbow and and how can we how can you know if it's appropriate well let's do something where we uh limit the seating capacity to half we may do more shows but let's leave, let's really reduce the seating capacity for a while and then we'll and then we can add back from that o opera theater of oregon they were they're doing a show they're doing a new they only do new work they commission new work and they had a they have a show for October that they are they're going to do outside in August to see being outside it's easier to space. I was talking the other day with Northwest Dance Project and you know they're although they have a, you know they do seasons here and all that but they they're they're talking about where can we look at venues we can put artists and audiences in venues which will be very interesting to the art the same time deal with some of the social distancing. I think, I think well, with visual artists, yes. With makers, yes. That they have to opened up. Because it doesn't change the experience. It's a, well, it's a way to sell to collectors and to get in front of galleries and things like that. I think, uh, and I think literary, 
has found its way. I mean, I think in some ways, literary has found its way because although it looked like they're going to be the end of all bookstores and and that's how it happened. So I think I think literary has is has prior to this had begun a, a sizable transition. Uh, I think in terms of makers and individual artists, the internet has given them a way to market directly and not have to wait for somebody else. They need the gallery at a certain level, but it hasn't, we, it's allowed them to think about the traditional gallery representation as well as marketing to themselves directly. I think it's in the performing arts where the biggest, where I don't know, I think the, the, ex, the experience of say, or being in the room with people, with artists and artwork and art, uh, that really can't be replicated. Like I said earlier, we are seeing some people doing streaming and they go in and dig out of their files and shows and that's, that's, it shows that they just, there was an article today about the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. There's going to be begin streaming video of shows they've done as well as other activities. But it's just, a, it's a different experience. I think that every, that everybody wants the younger audience. However one defines younger audience. Well, because the, because the feeling is that most of the audiences are aging out and so where's, how, how are we going to get the younger audience? How, what's that, how do we define younger audience that's up to 35, whatever it is. And I, th I think often arts organizations think it's a marketing problem. They're not marketing the right way to the younger audience. I think it's a, it's a the, the difficulty is that every, the, in the younger age group, whatever it is, Everyone is a storyteller. They're a videographer. They're making work. They're showing their work. They're influencers. So it's a very, they participate, totally participatory. Most traditional arts going is, a, is observational. You sit and observe a totally different experience. And I don't know the degree to which, so I don't think it's a marketing problem. I think it's an experiential problem. And the degree, so whenever you go to a concert, the phones are out and pictures are being, I mean, just the dynamic is so different. Where you go into a theater, whether it's dance, dance theater or music, the house lights go to half, turn off your cell phones, turn off all recording devices, so on and so forth, enjoy the show. So the, just the very beginning of the experience is in such contrast. As a goer, as well as how far how far can the art various various art forms be a little a little bit participatory in some way? There's a lot of examples of you know after the show please please go on on the web or whatever and 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 send to your friends and but that it's participatory as opposed to observing and it's difficult for the more older audience because they don't want they want to have the sole focus. So that that tension exists there. That I think is the, if in terms of audience development over time, that's where it's gonna be interesting to see if something can be, if, if there is some other way to do this.
this is what artists do every day. Artists come up with an idea for a project, whatever it is, and they invest in that, whether it's a single artist or a group project. It's about problem solving. Artists, solve, what they do is they solve problems. They have a vision, solving problems. There's never enough time, people or money. Who do we collaborate? Who do we need to collaborate with? Where is our audience or our buyers? So that what artists do every day is solve problems, move forward, have a vision, and keep the project going. Sometimes the project, they think it's going to be about this and about being that, but we couldn't have known that till you're in it. But, oh, this is something different, isn't it? And so it's getting artists to understand that what they're trying to do in finding their way through this world we're in is nothing different than what they do every day. But, but you know, are any artist starting a project, it's total risk. You have no idea what it's going to turn out to be. We don't have any idea whether anyone's going to be interested in it. How, what's, what's the audience that we want for this work in addition to our typical audience? So, I, th I think artists have a process. It's only scientists and artists that have a process. Trial, uh, discovery, vision, what are we trying to solve? With a scientific process, the idea is someone puts forth an assumption and everybody does everything they do to disprove it. And if you can't disprove it, it becomes a new reality. With making of art, someone puts forth an assumption and through collaboration and work and so on and so forth, something new and larger is created. I believe the making of art, the creative process, the best planning, problem solving, and decision making process available to human beings. I'm also amazed every day with what artists make with so little. And I think the only difference between a large budget organization and a small budget organization, the large budget has more zeros in the budget. They still have the same, not enough money, they have other needs, so it's a, but so I'm always amazed every day what people do, what artists do with so little. Future Prairie is sponsored by ADX, Art Design Exchange, a collective of artists supporting other artists. They have clean and safe spaces available for working artists in Portland, and they just launched Art TV, a free weekly show on Instagram. You can visit their website, artdesignexchange.com, for more information, or check them out on Instagram at adxportland. We're very grateful for the support. You know, losing access to the money from in-person events and ticket sales has been very hard on our organization. I've had to cancel all of our in-person programming, as you can imagine, and we've moved everything online, but it's quite expensive to do so and to try to build a studio overnight in our homes. If you're able to donate to support our efforts, I hope you will consider making a contribution of any size. You can reach us through our Venmo at Future Prairie, our Square Cash, our cash tag is Future Prairie, or PayPal us at futureprairie at gmail.com. Thank you so much to our production assistant and sound engineer, Matt Larimer, for his help in putting this episode together. And I would love to hear from you. How are you doing? How are you surviving lockdown? If you have questions about this show, I would love to hear those as well. You can always reach out to our team at futureprey.com or message us on social media at futureprey. 
Also, if you know someone who you think we should be interviewing to get their take on the future, I'd love to hear about them. Please drop us a note. Stay safe. Stay well. I hope we get to see you all soon.